Good morning to all. And we are in Acts chapter 17 this morning. I think what you're going to need this morning is you're going to need that big, thick coat. And you need to put that coat right over your shoulders called the conviction coat. Because you're going to feel... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I know what I could do. I could just go to Sunday school this morning, wouldn't that be? If I just walked right on out. I feel young enough, you know. Anyway, there is going to be a certain level of conviction that, that we feel when we begin to um, take a look at the life of Paul and his entourage that he traveled with. Because it just seems to me that, that Paul had a, a certain commission as was given by God. There was the establishment of the body of Christ, the church. And that was a huge undertaking. The power of the Holy Spirit is so evident in the travelings of Paul, it is unbelievable the reaction. If we got that kind of reaction when presenting the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, well, we'd be overwhelmed. Spending as little as just a couple of weeks in an area, and there's a, there's an, there's a local fellowship established. Now, that is remarkable. You say, well, that's because it's the Apostle Paul. No, I say, well, because it's the Holy Spirit of God. There's the power source behind it all. The key verse is verse 6. But I'll read the first 14 verses so we get a handle on this whole thing. And just remember that the key verse is verse number 6. It says, Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them, or dialogued with them. That's the word. In other words, it was an interchange between he and those who were the Jews or the proselytes who were in the synagogue, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Now that rings so true in the hearts of a Jewish person. Maybe it doesn't mean that much to us because we've, we've logged all the names together. Jesus Christ, the Lord. But when they hear the Christ, that's back to the messianic promise that's given all throughout the Old Testament. They know exactly um, what is being talked about there. That the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And the, and the great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were uh, not persuaded became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. 
and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, and prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea. They came there also and stirred up the crowd. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. And that will suffice for the reading of God's precious word. And there will be a blessing from God's precious word. They turned the world Upside down. Now, th- these are just unbelie- unfathomable words. How could they have had such an effect in such a short time? They, they had just come from Philippi. Can you imagine this journey? I, I want you to be... Uh, Brother Craig brought it out. He, they were put in stocks in the jail there. That means that they're, they're tenants... And their muscles were stretched into ways they've never been stretched before. And I'm sure as they took them out of those stocks, as the the Spirit of God took them out of those stocks, they must have just laid there for a little while trying to figure out. Or maybe God gave them a miraculous healing from it. I don't know. But then they went on a hundred-mile journey. A hundred miles to Thessalonica from Philippi. Through these two towns... Amphipolis and Apollonia. A hundred mile journey, possibly on the back of a horse, but can you imagine the pain of that journey after they came out of that? You know, it says that they were laying there in prison in Philippi and, and, and they began at, at about the midnight hour, they began to sing praises to God. I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't think that I'd be doing that. I'd be singing gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. That'd be my song. Wouldn't be much for the testimony, though, would it? Wouldn't be much for the propagation of the gospel, would it? It sure wouldn't have caught the attention of that guard and ultimately led to his salvation. Because they were willing to, even in stocks, even in agony and pain, they were willing to sing praises to God. I said to get on your conviction coat. I don't think I'd be doing that. I'd be 
I'd be moaning and groaning and giving you every reason why this is unfair like a third grader. You ever heard of third grader? That's not fair. That's the first thing they say. What's fair about life? The older you get, the more you realize there's not much fair in life. So they came out of Philippi. They came over to Thessalonica. And, and again, they, they made waves again. That's what these people did. Everywhere they went, when, when Paul stomped his foot down, there was a wave that went out. Everywhere Paul went, there was a problem. There were difficulties. There was the positive, and then there was a negative. And there was very little sitting down the middle on the, on the rungs uh, 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 of the gate. There was either the positive or the negative. There were those who believed and those who rejected. And those who rejected, rejected adamantly and were violent against Paul and his entourage. They suffered greatly at the hands of these individuals. And and who who was it primarily that 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 was after them? The Jews. It was the nation of Israel. Those who he had a, a tremendous love for. He would say, I, I'd give my own soul for the nation of Israel. He loved them that much. He went into the synagogue over and over and over again. He, he went right back to that place over and over again. These people were courageous. The first ingredient to be, in, to be effective on this earth is to be courageous. We're going to have to be courageous. Listen, there's this innate desire in all of us. And, and it was, oh man, did I have this desire. Oh, I was way off base. Uh, you, you want to be popular. You want to be accepted. You want people to kind of uh, cheer what you have to say. That, that was my whole high school career. And, and, and I think the enemy gave it to me. I want to be accepted. Uh, I want to be respected. Guess what? If you take the name of Christ, you might be shunned. It's going to require courage to put on Christ. You're going to have to buck up. These men bucked up. They made waves in their life. Everything they did made waves in their life. Turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was another one who made waves. And, and, and not all of us, I, I don't know that all of us are commissioned like Paul was. We all have the same, the, the, the same ingredients that need to be pushed into our life to, to fulfill the commission that God has given us. But all are not commissioned like Paul was commissioned. But here is one. Jeremiah chapter 38. Let me go there really quickly. And Jamel said I could go till 1 o'clock today, so. <laughs> Jamel said it. Take it up with Jamel. Chapter 38 and, and verse number 2. Thus says the Lord, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. 
But he who goes over to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, shall live. His life shall be as the prize to him, and he shall live. Thus saith the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said to the king, Please let this man be put to death, for thus he he weakeneth the hands of the men of war who remain in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such things of them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. So Zedekiah said, so Zedekiah the king said, look, he is in your hands. And they put him in prison. Shakers, movers, Individuals that when they step into a room, there's action. There's a change. Do we want to make a difference in the world that God has placed us in? You say, well, hell, but, but, but like Paul? Come on, this guy, he never got married. He never had a family. He never, he never did anything. He just went all throughout Asia and, and proclaimed this message of the gospel of the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And man, do I want that? God doesn't commission us all the same way, but it gives us all the same responsibility. We're to be courageous in it. We're sitting at work. There's all those men. They're all gathered around, about five or six guys, you know. That's a lot of peer pressure, let me tell you. That's peer pressure times five. And all of a sudden, some off-color joke comes out. <laughs> and they all look at you. Why are they looking at you? You know why they're looking at you. If you've been in the world long enough, they're looking at you to see if you'd laugh a bit. <laughs> Oops. Be courageous. Be courageous. You've got a message that can potentially change their very existence. And by a few sharp giggles, you're drawing back the witness. You're drawing back the time. You're taking back the good witness that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you and commissioned you to do. These men were courageous, incredibly courageous. You go over, if you will, to um, Acts chapter 14. I, I, I want to show you Chapter 14, and here's where Paul was in Lystra. As his custom was, he goes into the synagogue. Now, let, let me explain good reasoning for that. You say, well, this guy just liked, he just liked pain, man. He was just set on pain. He must have just liked getting beat on. He said he beat him with rods. They beat him with whips. 29 times, oh, we don't, want to, we don't want to violate the law, you know, just 29, not 30. That's too many. Oh, bless your heart. So with rods, they beat him. With whips, they beat him. What is this man? Is he stupid? Why does he keep going back to the synagogue? Well, you see, Paul was part of the distribution of the nation of Israel. He was part of the distribution of the church. 
It was way back when, when, when Paul wasn't Paul, he was Saul. And, and, and by his persecution of the church, the church had spread out. They had all go, gone in through Asia. And, and, and once there were ten families established in a given location, in a given city, then it was the responsibility of those ten Jewish families to establish a synagogue. Now, the synagogue, don't, don't confuse things. So you say, oh, they did sacrifice there. They did all the, the priestly functions. They didn't have any priestly functions. They didn't do any priestly functions. All they did was get out the word of God. You had to build some place. You had to make a, a general location, a, a place where they could meet. And then you had to go find the word of God. That wasn't an easy task. A complete set of scrolls that would include the whole of the Word of God. So you had the whole Old Testament. So if you wanted to read the Word of God, you didn't pull out your, your pocket New Testament and pull it out, or your pocket Old Testament and pull it out in this case. There was no Testament. So the only place you could learn what God's mind is all about was to be involved in one of these synagogues. Well, is there any better place for Paul to go? You say, well, he got in trouble there. Look, look, look what it says here. It says, uh, uh, it says in verse 19 of uh, uh, chapter 14, it says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and, and persuading the multitude, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So they, they drag his body out of the city. Now, this is real courage. Drag his body out of the city, throw it on the dump, and the believers come and they gather around the body. You say, oh. We've lost our great leader. And all of a sudden he gets up. Guess what he does? He runs out of the city. He takes off to hit the high ground. He goes right back into the city. Now, if there's any more clear illustration of courage, that's the Apostle Paul. As was noted, and I checked it out, history tells us that he was a very small man. But he looked very Jewish. I don't know what gave him that distinction. But every time he went into the synagogue, they would read the scripture, the, the, the passage of the day, they would read the scripture, and then they'd say, now, everybody looked over at Paul. They knew his background. They knew that he knew the word of God. Could Paul have gone out to, to these various places in Asia and presented the gospel from memory? He could have. But you see, he wouldn't have had the authority and the backing of the scriptures then. What he did is he went into the synagogue and said, give me your book. Give me your book. I want to see your book. They got their book and he presented the Lord Jesus Christ dying and rising again from their book. So there was power there, you see. But that took courage. Tremendous amounts of courage. There was content. Oh. Oh, we've got plenty of people out there that are, that are courageous. You, you've got a lot of lion hearts out there that run around and, and tell you all kinds of things. But if they're telling you the absolute lies, things that are not true, what good is it? Oh, you see the Apostle Paul. He had content. What does it say here, verse verse uh, 2 and 3 of, of chapter number 17? It says this, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them for three days 
and reasoned with them. That, that word is brought out. Again, it's dialogued. Dialogue from what? Dialogue from the, from the injustices of the Roman government and the empire that was all around him. Listen, you guys, bound up yourselves. Get courage. We need to fight against the Romans. We need to put them down, you know. And here we are again, sitting out here. Paul never did this. Paul only did this. That's all he did. He didn't spend time on, 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 on what's horizontal. He only spent time. He didn't have time. Let me tell you. He knew his time was short. He preached Christ. Had to die. And then he was raised again from the dead. There was content in his message. Where did he get his evidence? Where, what was the scriptures? Did he, did he go to the New Testament and, and go to the end of the Gospels and say, Oh, look, Christ, he, he rose again from the dead. He didn't have the Gospels. He got it right out of their book, the Old Testament. We have Isaiah 53, which tells us about the, the sufferings of Christ. But then at the end of 53, we, we see him glorified. There's the resurrection of Christ. Psalm 16, we see uh, one who would not suffer corruption because he's raised from the dead. He reasoned with them or dialogued with them back and forth out of their own scriptures. And many got saved. They looked at it and they said, Why? I've never seen it this way before. And, and surely that, that, that one named Jesus of Nazareth, he sure does fit the bill here, doesn't he? Yes, he died. He was buried. And he rose again. That's the gospel that Paul preached all the way through. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel in a nutshell. Christ died. He was buried. And he rose again. The message never ended. It never, he never said, Oh, well, we've got such a, a social problem now. We're going to have to put down the gospel for a little while and, and deal with this social problem. Mm. He didn't have time. He had only time for the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He came from the Thessalonians. And I want you to notice in verse number four, there's a word. Persuaded. That's one way. But here's a better way. Then he went to Berea, and it says they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now, that's a much better response to the gospel, and that's why they're called more noble. They inquired for themselves. The, the Thessalonians, they had to be persuaded. They, 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 you know, he, he kept going at them. Going, they had to be persuaded. Many were persuaded. Thank the Lord. You know, when he went to the synagogue, oftentimes you think all he got was pain. He got thrown in prison. He got, you know, this, that, beat up. And, and, and no, there was always those, a good handful that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a church was established from right there. There are a lot of patterns. If you hunt out what goes on in the establishment of a synagogue, there are a lot of those things that run parallel to the establishment of a church. That's why it was his tradition. It was his practice to keep going back 
to that synagogue, even though it cost him dearly in doing so. And there was conflict. There always will be conflict. I want to go back to one thing, though, before I go there. As far as... I want to find it here. Um, No. Let me find it here. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. Um... In verse 24. Okay, Colossians chapter 1 and verse... I just want you to see this because this just kind of like blew my mind here. It, it, it really did. I had to sit and meditate on this for a long time just to figure out what in the world it was saying. Colossians chapter 1 and verse uh, 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up... In my flesh, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, back in Acts chapter 9, Paul had become converted. And the Lord had made a a, a special revelation to him. Supernatural revelation to him. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? No. No, you see, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? What I'd like to emphasize is the tremendous intimacy that there was now between the Son of the living God and this newly established church. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it's because He stands as the head. Satan keeps his distance. He doesn't see just a bunch of ragtag sinners that keep going back to uh, 1 John 1, 9. I confess my sins, Lord. I confess my sins, Lord. I confess. They, he, see, he doesn't see that. He sees the head, doesn't he? The authority structure, the head. And that's why he said, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Never. Paul was basically saying by this, he was saying, listen, I, 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 I see the persecution. It's part of being in the body of Christ. Christ who suffered at the cross, who was nailed hand and foot at a cross and died and bled and died. I want to be part of that, he said. I want in. It's a crazy phenomenon, isn't it? But that's why, that's why he, he didn't, he didn't go around looking for persecution. You can see there's instances when, when he was ushered out of town. There were other instances where he went right back into the same town he was persecuted in. We, we, we say, well, that just doesn't make any sense. It, it just, that's the Holy Spirit of God, folks. The guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. And our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts, they're not his thoughts. So so what the Holy Spirit decides, he decides. Paul was just simply a follower. 
wasn't he? But when pain came his way, or imprisonment came his way, ultimately he'd be imprisoned in the last part, right? He'd ultimately be imprisoned for the second time in Rome, and it wasn't a very nice imprisonment like it was the first time. He says, I glory in that suffering. I glory in that suffering. Wow. This is bizarre. But let me tell you, me, this. Mm. It could be coming. It could be coming. We're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to be courageous? And stand up? You know, there's lots of things where we can say, well, that's that's what the law says. That's what the law says. We need to do that. what the law says. And, and so far, we've kept our distance from any kind of real stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what, it might be coming. There's coming a time, you see, when we may have to make a real stand for the Lord. And then we'll go on. There was conflict. There was conflict. Because what you're doing by taking the name of Christ is you are introducing holiness into an unholy environment. That's what you're doing. Or you can sit back incognito and you can kind of hide in the corners. No courage in that, is there? You are introducing holiness into an unholy environment. Now, let me ask you this. As the days go on here, as the days go on, is it becoming, well, a little closer to the holiness that the Lord Jesus Christ prescribes for his children? Or is it getting farther away? Yeah, it's getting farther away. That's what I mean by look out. Because we may be taking for ourselves some of the same persecutions that Paul had in that first century. The Thessalonians, they, they were persecuted. They were persecuted. There were many of the Thessalonians that died. That's why the questions came in, in 1 Thessalonians. Where are they? Where are they? Lord, what, are we come, what, trying to work out the semantics of all this. Persecution could be on its way. They went and got a group of individuals from the from the gutter, so to speak, and and and, and they they were they were riot creators. They, these were professional riot creators. In the first century, uh, there was a great distance between holiness and, and the world that that was around them, and that's why there was so much persecution. There were so many people that died. There's so many people that were, 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 were cast off into prison because there was such a huge gap. Now, let me ask you this. These were riot makers is what they were. These individuals who, who, who uh, the, the Jews went out and got these uh, no good for nothings. They, 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 they were professional riot makers. Do you see that in our society now? Ooh. That's a little scary, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to get political and all that. No, 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 no. But there are people that travel around and are financed 
to make riots. We're getting back to that same gap, that tremendous gap between the holiness that the Lord Jesus Christ demands of his children and the world that is outside. There will be conflict. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Non-optional. Now, you can avoid it. Say, I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You mean you're saved? Wow. Well, I am too. You just exposed two hiders in the same goal. Or we can make Christianity the issue. Make Christianity the issue. Instead of making uh, who won the NBA Finals the issue. We can make Christianity the issue. If you make the Christianity the issue, you will suffer persecution. Because the content of your message goes against the unholiness of the world around you. And your righteousness is going to stick out like a sore thumb. And you're going to keep reminding us, now, my righteousness is Christ that lives in me. He's my righteousness. You're going to keep reminding them that it's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. There will be conflict. All of these ingredients, courage, conflict, they're, they're, all, they're all wrapped up, summed up in this, this last one. It's called concern. Do I really care? You know, we say, concern for what? Well, concern for the unsaved. No, no, wait, no. That's just a byproduct. That's just a byproduct. Concern that uh, there are New Testament established assemblies all throughout Asia. Just a byproduct. Concern that these individuals who have taken the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might then become saved and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So important, but just a byproduct. What is the concern then? Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Here's Paul's concern. Ephesians chapter 1, and starting at verse number 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of the sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now listen. To the praise of the glory of of his grace, by which he made us according acceptable in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wit. This is the world's longest sentence, by the way. This is one long sentence. It, 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 wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of his work, uh, 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 of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his Glory over and over and over again. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints to the praise of his glory. Defending God's glory. Witnessing to the unsaved around us as a byproduct of the defense of God's glory. I hate to go into that next section, but I'm just going to point out one thing. Verse 15. And I know it's not my verse. And I apologize, Brian, for just looking at it. But I, I just want to, I, I just want to look at it because you see, you see what happened here is, is, is very, very unusual. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within, within him when he saw that the city was given over to idolatry. When he saw that there were so many people that did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. When he saw that there was no church established in Athens. When he saw, no! No! When he saw that there was competing glories. There was God the Father, and there's all these supposed deities down here competing for His glory, and it wrung him inside. He just wrung inside. He couldn't stop himself. Oh, why don't you sit down and take a break for once? We sent you over there to get a break. You can't settle down. He couldn't stand it. All these competing glories. That's the issue. Uh oh. Oh, that's okay. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, so all these competing glories, that, that's what bothered Paul. You see, oftentimes we say, well, the issue is all these unsaved people around us. And, and, and that is an issue because we, we see the glory of God. We see the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and how it could change their life. It could convert them. But ultimately, it is the glory of God. That's the concern. That's what drove Paul. That's what drove Paul to do some extraordinary things. Like extraordinary things. Unbelievable. How he put his life out there at risk. That's the Apostle Paul. Be courageous. Especially in the world that we live in. Because the distinction between you and they is going to become broader and broader 
and broader. God has given you a commission, just like he gave Paul. Was it exactly like Paul? Was it, he's telling you to do exactly what Paul did? No. Even Paul himself talks about marriage and how husbands will love his, love his wife, even as Christ loved the church and, and family life. And all of that is brought in even by the Apostle Paul who never saw it. Because there is a different commission. We've been given different commissions. What I say is fulfill it. Fulfill the commission that, that God has given you. Fulfill it with courage, with content. With conflict, it's going to be there. Listen, if there's no conflict, then you're probably skipping the first two steps. You're probably skipping the first two steps. You're a hider. And then have concern for the glory of God. And ultimately, as that branches down, have concern for the unsaved world around you. They're going to hell. They're going to hell in a handbasket is what they're doing. You can't just sit there with a message like that that can actually convert their life, change their life, and just, hmm, I'm mum. Mm. I'm waiting for that individual to see my life, see how I walk, and accept it. You know, you're going to have to say something. Yeah, that's all fine. That's good. Live it out, surely, but you might have to say something. Do it with courage. Because we do have content. Man, we've got the truth of God. I don't know how much more content you need. And then you're going to have conflict. You're not going to be the popular guy on the block, you know. I walk into a crowd. Everybody wants to hear what I have to say. No. They want you to go to the back of the room, man. But while you're in the back of the room, might be somebody from the front of the room might walk to the back of the room and say, hey, listen. I want to know a little bit more about this. Is it worth it then? To be the man left out, sort of? Is it worth it then? Certainly is worth it then. So courage, content, conflict, and concern. That is what we see in chapter 17. We also saw it in chapter 16. We also saw it all throughout the life of Paul. That's exactly the pattern that Paul carried out through his whole ministry. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful <clears throat> that Paul was willing to fulfill the commission that you gave him to fulfill. Where would we be today if he decided to take an easier route, go on vacation? He had a lot of money. As a member of the Sanhedrin, he had what this world had to offer. He gave it all up. I seek to know nothing among you, he said, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Wow, that, that crucifixion really laid hold of Paul's heart. Even to the point where he said, I want to enter into the sufferings of this body of which I am part of. Oh, Father, that we might have the same attitude, especially in the day and age in which we live, because soon the trump is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we who remain are going to be caught up. And that's ending that opportunity. We'll then be with the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Help us to walk aright, more by faith, 
and less by sight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen.